This is the Enchuma podcast, where we explore the Southeastern traditional tattoo revitalization movement. In this episode, we will continue our third series where we talk with Southeastern folks who have received and bear their traditional tattoos in order to gain insight into their thoughts, experiences, and insights on traditional Southeastern tattoos. Halito, Chimachukma, Himat Nitak at Kafi Hashi Pukoli Tuklo Akucha Chikali, Tashlipa Sapokni Tuklo Pukoli Tuklo Akucha Achina. Hello, how are you? Today is Saturday, Sassafras Month, or July 29th, 2023. This is our fifth episode of the third series. In this episode, we are joined by our guest host, Britt Postok, who's Muskogee, and Anja Little Creek, who's also Muskogee. If y'all want to give your introductions, we can start with you, Britt. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, hello. How are you? My name is Britt Postok. I am Bird Clan and Muskogee. I am a beadwork and leather artist. I work in doing traditional crafts like making moccasins and I also do regalia, like beaded hats, and I am a mother. I'm currently uh, in school, and yeah, that's about all I can think of. Okay. Hishje, uh, hello. My name is Anya Little Creek. I'm 25 years old, and I've been living in Seattle, Washington for about 10 years now. I am a bead worker. Uh, I sew... Um, I'm also a dancer, and I'm currently in the process of my certification of Muscogee language at the College of the Muscogee Language, so I should be done with that um, around next year. So, yeah. Well, thanks, y'all, for for joining, and I'm excited to do this episode with y'all. So for some housekeeping, in addition to that, I want to say congratulations to Tushkahoma Ohio team for reaching the finals in the World Series of Stickball out in Mississippi earlier this month. Tushkahoma Ohio made history as the first team from Oklahoma to ever reach the finals. And we're so proud of them seeing how far that they've come over the years. We're definitely cheering them on and look forward to seeing how they progress in the next year to come. And I'd say if there was like ever something to think to earn in Chunwa, a traditional tattoo, I would say that's it. Because that really is a, a big deal. Yeah, you know, all the way up to Choctaw Nation Casino to go watch that game. So <laughs> really excited about that. And uh, as a caveat, Ashley Stick, who is Chikasha, but played on Tushkahoma Ohio, received her facial inchunwa prior to the World Series of Stickball this year. So we're looking forward to being able to talk to her a little bit more and then also to be able to uh, have her on as a guest host at some point. And then we also wanted to shout out to the other Chikasha Inhu who played on Tushkahoma Ohio, who also were Inchunwa-like markings. It was really awesome to see the Inchunwa returning back to Ishtaboli or uh, Kabochitoli as well. Today, we'll be listening to the interview with Isabella, who is the daughter of Sarah Cornell Adams. If you've not yet taken a listen to episode 15 with Sarah, we definitely encourage you to do so as the two interviews tie in with each other. As a disclaimer, this interview was recorded in June of 2022. Just a note to any new listeners, we also encourage folks to go back and listen to Series 1 as well, as that covers much of the history around traditional Southeast tattoos, tattoo history, colonization, and tribal history. These episodes go into things that are mentioned historically here in this interview and others and will help deepen the conversation for you. Isabella Ayukli Cornell is a citizen of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma and a young activist. She is the organizing member of Matriarch an intertribal nonprofit based in Oklahoma. In 2018, her junior prom dress garnered national attention, which highlighted the crisis of violence against Native women. Isabella has been participating in activist movements against the epidemic of violence faced by Native American women and girls since the age of 14. She became an organizing member of Matriarch, an intertribal organization of women from different tribes, co-founded by Isabella's mother, Sarah Adams Cornell. Isabella Ayukli Cornell made a strong political statement at her prom in 2018 with a red dress bearing symbols of her Choctaw heritage. Cornell worked closely with the designer, Della Big Hair Stump, 
an indigenous designer belonging to Crow Tribe to create the applique design. The dress is a symbol of many indigenous women who have disappeared or have been murdered but never accounted for. Isabella also created the skirt that Deb Haaland wore at the inauguration of President Joe Biden. She now runs Ayukli Designs, creating ribbon skirts for folks to wear. And with that, here's our interview with Isabel Ayukli Cornell. Alito Saho Jeffa Isabella Ayukli Cornell, Chata Ohoyo Himitasia, Sashkiat Sir Adams, Saponia Temi. Adams, Chief Amalikat Sanayotpa, Oklahoma City Atali. Uh, hi, my name is Isabella Akeley Cornell. I am a proud young Choctaw woman. I'm the firstborn daughter of Sarah Adams Cornell and the granddaughter of Tammy Adams. I live here in Oklahoma City. I'm 21 years old and happy to be speaking with you today. Thank you. That was so beautiful. I love hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Always gets me excited when I get to hear uh, our language spoken. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. What pronouns do you go by, by the way? I use she, her pronouns. Got it. And do you identify yourself within the two-spirit LGBTQ plus community? I do not. Okay. How culturally active are you within your tribal community? In what ways are you culturally active within the community? I have been fortunate enough to have grown up traditionally and been raised around our ways since I was a little kid. I have memories being surrounded by my people whenever I was just like really small and it's followed me throughout my life. And my mom, Sarah Adams was really, what's a word? She was really good about making sure I was being brought up in this way because she knows the importance of it because her parents were children of the boarding school generation and they had the culture. They were not grown up around the culture because their parents were taught that it was something of the devil and they saw it as if they weren't to give their kids the education about their culture, that it would mean an easier life for them. So they didn't grow up around it, but my mom realized that this was going on and she realized that our ways were being lost. So that was why it was so important for her to raise me around our ways. But I do my best to connect as best I can in our Choctaw ways and all that sort of stuff. But yes. Awesome. I, my, I'm the grandchild of a of a boarding school survivor, and my mom didn't grow up around it. I mean, my grandma wasn't even open about it until the 90s when the grandkids came around. So I I definitely understand that aspect of it. But I'm I'm so happy she was able to raise you with so much, and you've been able to grow up within what you have. That's so incredible. Um, yeah, it feels like it's been with our mother's generation that things have finally started to turn back around and there's been a resurgence of interest in our ways again and like cultural preservation, keeping it alive. It feels like it's been a fairly recent phenomenon, but I'm glad it is happening. Yes. Yes. And we're just going to keep this train going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when and how did you become aware of your tribe's traditional tattoos? I actually wasn't aware about our traditional practices until I was maybe in my early teenage years, I'd say, because for the most part, whenever we were going to our cultural meetings at OK Choctaw Tribal Alliance when I was a little kid, the main things we focused on were language and beating and other cultural activities, how to make regalia, how to speak, sometimes cooking, but it wasn't really discussed very often about our traditional tattooing practices. And I kind of figured out about it through just later on down the road and doing further research. But I'd say it was maybe when I was about 12 or 13, but then I became incredibly interested in it and saw all these beautiful designs that our people had a long time ago. And that's when I really started becoming interested in it. I've always been fascinated by tattoos in general, and I've always wanted to have one since I was like a little kid, but this was like a whole nother level for me. It's so interesting that it just seems like everyone of our generation, we've grown up with this excitement right. of tattoos. Because <laughs> it's like everyone about our age, I, I keep hearing like, oh yeah, like since I was little. And I'm like, I wonder if this is just a generational thing, an indigenous thing. I don't know, because like, whenever you like look back, you don't see like a lot of, of the older generations talking about as passionately about tra uh, traditional tattoos as we seem to be in our younger generation. I, don't, I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? I mean... My my parents' generation grew up with the idea of, oh, it's gangs only do that yeah. kind of stuff. So, <laughs> and yet here we Love are you. now. <laughs> <laughs> what was your personal journey from wanting to receiving a traditional tattoo? So I'd been doing a lot of research whenever I was around that age that I just talked about, whenever I was first starting to get like acquainted with them and start looking into what certain designs represent and what the restrictions were for certain tattoos and who was allowed to wear what. And then as I kind of looked further, 
I realized that it wasn't all as strict as I thought because some of the designs said that they were purely ornamental and that some of them didn't have as deep significance as everything else. While there are certain tattoos that are reserved for ceremonial purposes or certain people in society, not all of them were that way. And sometimes we just like to adorn ourselves with something beautiful. And that's kind of what I was aiming for. But while my tattoo does have significance to me, it also connects me to my people and my culture. And it's something that I was super interested in for a long time. And then my dad was kind of like the same way. He said that like, I have to wait until I'm 18 to make certain decisions about what I can do and stuff. And it even took me a while to like get my ears like it took me until I was like 15 because he was super strict about oh you have to be like a certain age and you have to be like a good mind whenever you make these decisions about your body because they're permanent and I was like I know that but like this is important to me this is a part of my culture and I guess it's just not something he would have understood but um whenever I received my traditional tattoo I was 18 years old since I had to wait but it was a beautiful process for me and I had I don't even think I mentioned what it was I have the diamonds going down my back, starting at the nape back right here, all the way down my back, all the way down my spine. And it's in representation of the diamondback rattlesnake, which you already know that this is super culturally significant for us Choctaws, but um, that's my tattoo. And my process was really good whenever I was receiving it. Yeah, I've seen the tattoo. It's beautiful. I, I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I just, I love it. It looks beautiful. Thank you. So I know you just said it, but for our purposes, how old were you when you received your traditional tattoo? I was 18 years old. Alrighty. And what has your experience been bearing your traditional tattoo within your family and community? I'm glad you asked this question because (laughs) there were, there's a Facebook group called Revitalizing Choctaw and Southeastern Tattoos. I think that's the name of it. But at first, whenever I found this group, I was maybe like 17-ish, really starting to dive more into like the the different ways that people were showcasing their tattoos whenever they got them. And, but whenever I finally got mine and I posted about it, I was super excited to show everybody about it. And I was really proud of it at the time. And it was fresh and I was just super happy and excited, but there was so much negativity on that, the Facebook group that it just kind of ruined everything for me whenever I was coming forward about receiving my traditional tattoo And people were not as supportive as I thought they were going to be. There was a man called Dustin Shoemake who publicly ridiculed me in front of everybody on the Facebook group and called me a fake and just kind of ruined everything about it for me. And he just, he deleted the post the first time whenever I contacted him about them. Like, this is my image. What are you talking about? I'm an enrolled member and this is an actual tattoo that I've gotten. And I don't know why you're attacking me like this. And then he removed it the first time, but then somehow he posted it again a second time. And then I was like, I've shown my mom about this. I'm like, are you seeing this? Do you know who he is? But she contacted him about it and she wanted to have a conversation about it because I'm her daughter. This is my image. And this isn't okay that he's talking about me like this. And so he, he agreed to have a phone call with me and, and my mom to talk about things. But then whenever the day came for the phone call, he backed out and he didn't want to talk to us. And acted like a coward. And so my experience finally coming forward into that Facebook group and like talking to other tribal members about it was not as supportive as I thought it was going to be. And I was really excited because I was hoping to connect with people and to like start more conversations about it, but I was just shot down immediately. So it wasn't great in that specific setting, I guess. But other members of the community, like my friends my age, because that man was like, it was what, 40s or something like that. I don't know. But my friends have always been supportive and stuff about this because we just talked about how there's this interest in our generation about getting our tattoos, but they've always been like super supportive and they're just as interested as I am in this whole topic. And my family too has been right there with me and my mom has traditional tattoos. So she was happy for me whenever I got mine done. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it's been. Yeah. I had heard about the incident. I, I, have a Facebook, but I, I never use it at this point, but I had heard about what had happened and I just awful. It's not, not something we should be doing to just tribal members, but to our youth, especially. Exactly. And I'm like, you should be encouraging us to learn about our ways. And even if there's something that happens that you don't agree with, you should talk to us privately and not publicly make a post about us to bash us and bring us down and just to humiliate us. Because what other reason was that than to just like stir up feelings and stuff? If you had an issue, you can talk to us like about it like that, but don't like 
don't be rude about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the old it's just the old mentality of crabs in a bucket. You got to bring right. everyone else down, and it's it's not. And I, I'm so glad that our generation is is tearing away from that mold and going to like, no, we're gonna push and lift each other up because that's how we're all going to be lifted up. Yeah, it doesn't do us any good just by like calling us fake, calling us names and like, you know, just doing everything you just said. So yeah, no. And I, but I'm glad that you've had more supportive responses outside of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What has been your experience bearing your traditional tattoos with non-natives? Whenever I kind of brought up the, the subject, um, they were always like kind of fascinated by it. They're like, oh, I didn't know you guys did that. Or like, I wasn't aware that you had different methods for tattooing like back in the day and stuff like that. So it kind of goes into this whole like, you know, educational thing where I have to kind of explain everything. And it gets kind of tiring from time to time because I don't ask them like the whole like significance of this one tattoo that they have either. I'm just like, oh, that looks really nice. That's awesome. But they want to know like everything. And in a way, I guess that's good because it means we get to spread more information about it, but it does get a little bit tiring, like from time to time having to like go way back and tell the same story over and over again. But I'm glad that they asked because it's, it always is good to get out the message about what it means because it is so significant and it's not just something I have and that there's meaning behind it. But usually they're kind of fascinated by it, intrigued, but usually the responses I get that from them are mostly positive. Good. I'm glad that at least there, there's no harassment or anything like that. It, it, unfortunately, that it, it happened within our community. But yeah, I can see that it becomes very tiring having to re-explain, re-explain, re-explain. Because mm-hmm. I mean, even just any kind of tattoos that you're going to have not traditional in a sense like a you know of this people are still going to be like oh what what is the meaning and I'm like oh, like everybody like, does that right? <laughs> like, <are you> <laughs> <laughs> I know like I'm just I'm getting to a point where I'm just like it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah it definitely would have to take a lot of a lot of spoons mental spoons to have to keep repeating right. with your experience what what kind of ways have you been explaining your tattoo So most of the time, I just tell them that I'm Choctaw and our people had these tattoos a long time ago, pre-contact and different methods of tattooing. And then I go into the whole, like, this is uh, significant of the Diamondback Rattlesnake. And we revere it in Choctaw culture because it was seen as a protector of our people. And it has a lot of deep cultural significance for us because we were farmers and whenever we would grow our crops, sometimes we'd get into it and destroy our crops and we would go hungry without it. But the diamondback rattlesnake preyed on the mice and the other rodents that would get into it, ensuring that we would have harvest and enough to eat throughout the winters and months where food was scarce. So that's why we honor it so much. And there's other reasons why it's such a big deal in our in our culture. You can see it in our regalia and you can see it in our dances. And we just respect it as a being and we hold it for a deep cultural significance. How has receiving and bearing your traditional tattoos impacted you mentally, emotionally, physically, and or spiritually? It definitely holds a lot of significance for me in all those different fields. And it's just made me feel closer to my people to have received this traditional tattoo and to have gotten the experience because it's always significant for that I'm going to be tied to this long time. And I don't even know if I've talked about whether or not or what it signifies yet, but it signifies a duty to my people that I hold within my heart to protect, to honor, to respect, and to serve just as the snake did before us. But that's kind of how I view it. And I think that was actually one of the questions later. I'll go back to that. But it's definitely impacted me mentally and spiritually because it it's reminding me of these gifts that Creator has given to our people. And I hold that very closely to my heart, but it's definitely been something that has made me feel so much better when I, after receiving it. I, I I love I love that meaning that that tie you have with it. I, I I love that. What I'm trying to do because I have my art history degree, I'm trying to get a sense of people who have their traditional tattoos. What is their meaning behind it? Because we obviously don't know the meaning behind many of them. And so that means we're going to have to be finding new meanings, finding new symbolisms within these. And so for me to gather information on what the significance is for you and others gives me and the team a better idea of, okay, well, you know, we can start tailoring these symbols towards this kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. I'm so glad that there's a lot of more research being done around the meaning behind tattoos because it's always been something I've struggled to like do more learning about because some of the different 
meanings have been lost or like there weren't written down records of different meanings because we didn't do things that way. But it's just been something that I've been really interested in learning about and it's kind of hard to come by. So I'm glad that this podcast exists so people can learn more about, if not what it meant traditionally, what it means to them today and how we carry it on now. Yeah, we, um, my, my biggest frustration in doing a lot of the research has just been a lot of this is coming from white academics. And so I'm, (laughs) and it really annoys me because they're just like, oh, we see these symbols and all of these, like you'll find pottery and things like that. And they're like, oh, we just, we wish we knew. And I'm like, well, maybe if your ancestors didn't try killing us all off, you would actually know. (laughs) Tell us that like this was wrong and like push it to the side. We might have a better idea. Right. (laughs) We also like see the way they talk for women and the way they dress back in the day without covering our tops and stuff like that. We see the way they talk about that too. So we can't really trust everything they say in their record. So it's a little bit like you know sketchy in that way too oh yeah oh yeah not not like not only that but they just don't even regard two spirits they didn't regard women just as leaders at all so we don't we don't trust anything they say really (laughs) they would only what i was told is that they would only talk to the men whenever they arrived here and since our women were trained for leadership since they were like young children the men didn't receive the same training as we did as women whenever we were growing up so they were unprepared to have these meetings and reach agreements with the settlers when they arrived. And so that's what threw everything off too. And I think that's another reason why we see this huge shift and a balance of power and how it continues on today. And we still only have one woman on our tribal council. (laughs) So we can see like a lot of this old patriarchal shift like starting to happen, but we are also seeing, starting to see it shift too with the younger generation stepping up and, you know, filling these spaces. So it's, um, it's always changing. Yeah. There's, there's so many young women in Two-Spirit, just activists and leaders coming out. And it just, it's what we need. It's what yeah. we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's long overdue. <laughs> if you can share, what's your tattoo mean to you? So the Diamondback Rattlesnake holds deep cultural significance for us Choctaw people. And I chose this design for my tattoo because it symbolizes everything that creature stands for. Like I mentioned before, we can see it in our regalia, we can see it in our dances. And it's something that we've respected for a long time because it protected us as a people. And the reason I chose that was because it symbolizes the same duty that I hold in my heart, which is to respect and serve. And I think this diamondback rattlesnake symbolizes all of these things for us. And it's a reminder to to always hold this close to me and to never forget who I am and what purpose is to my people. Love it. Do you have any insight or advice you would want to share with Native folks who are considering getting a traditional tattoo? I'm all for it. The only thing I would like to throw in there is that remember to do your research and make sure you're going about it in a good way. Definitely look into the designs that you're using because, like I said, certain people might have issues with it or, you know, something like that. But just really you're studying on what you're looking into and even like, don't even stop there. Just continue to search into these things because it's something that we're trying to revitalize and make sure you're doing your research. And if you have information, just make sure you give it back to the people and make sure that you're doing it in a good way and it stays with you for a long time. So just whatever you choose to do, make sure you carry yourself in that respect okay, and make sure it's true to yourself, but I'm all for it too. that's our interview with Isabel Ayukwe-Cornell. So what stood out to you from Isabel's interview, Britt and Anja? I think just kind of hearing the backlash against um, this woman being so proud of earning her markings and somebody coming in and trying to shoot her down. I think the um, overall thing that I took from it was kind of our role, not just our role, but like, say, like the rattlesnake's role within our society that, yeah, there's just, yeah, just that first part. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think it was kind of cool. I don't know. I always make the joke, like, I don't know if you'll ever watch Portlandia or saw that one skit where it's like, put a bird on it. And they like put birds on everything in the shop. But I always kind of joke, I'm like, Choctaws are like, put a diamond on it. And then that makes it Choctaw. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're all seeing it. It's like, cool, diamonds everywhere. Which, I don't know, which is cool. I'm just always kind of like, you have so many more designs. But anyway, I did think it was kind of cool over the course of the podcast, like including all the way back to Tori's interview, that people kind of shared different insights on 
what that design means to them or like what the rattlesnake means to them. I think about Tori talking about how for her, it was a lesson in law school about how to like, when to step back and watch and when to strike, which I thought was cool. And so I thought it was cool too, with Isabel talking about how for her, it was kind of a symbol, like basically like helping people and serving and protecting the people as well as like the other teachings that, that it has for us. I think it is interesting because you don't see the diamonds being used quite as much with the other Southeastern tribes. So it's kind of interesting that the Chata like latched onto that one as like their signifier. And like with the Muskogee, you know, we, we kind of use like the knot as our um, kind of main imagery. Yeah, I noticed that, which I thought was kind of cool, which actually I got some earrings from Anja with, with the knot that I love. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the, I mean, I guess I see like Seminole maybe use diamonds here and there in their patchwork, but I feel like it's not, not the same necessarily, mm-hmm. I guess. Where I think it is interesting because like, I feel like the knot is something that like all of our tribes that came from mound building people had at one time, but yeah, and Chalk Top people was like, diamonds, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Are there like, any designs that stand out to y'all? In terms of like this design, like I noticed that you have that knot mm-hmm. right on your neck. Yeah, definitely for me and just kind of like my tattoo themes, I'm very big into the death and rebirth cycle. So, and that's what the knot represents to me is like that never ending cycle of life and death. And you can't have one without the other. And one shouldn't be feared more than the other. Yeah. And I have like a, a whirl on my, my arm. It's like, one, it's like the number four, which is important. And then it also, for me personally, um, like symbolizes that I'm Wind Clan. So I think it's cool as we're coming into this, as we, sometimes we don't know what everything means. Um, I think that the tattoos are, they are going to be signifiers of who you are within your community and who you come from and kind of what you do. So I think it's like cool to highlight your clan. And I've seen it on like a a bunch of other people too, um, especially with like the animal ones. I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that was something that I've come across in my research was that tattoos were a symbol of your clan. So, you know, you could look at somebody and see what clan they belong to because back in the homelands, we had a lot of different variations of the language. It, it wasn't like it is today where we have like a standardized Muskogee um, language. Each tribal town had their own dialect and way of saying things. And so I kind of feel like the tattoos are almost a written language themselves. And I haven't really seen that explored anywhere because, you know, everybody wants to push that we didn't have a written language. But I think if we kind of look deeper into these symbols and, Im- and imagery that we had used on our bodies, then we would maybe see kind of that link of people using markings to self-identify. JP talks about, and I've seen in some of the writings too, I think like across the Southeast, at least for like the warriors, they would, whenever they got tattoos or whatever, they'd like carve it into their war clubs and stuff. Or if they didn't go meet up with some people, they'd like go carve their tattoo designs into the trees and stuff to let people know like, oh, like, you know, whoever went over there. Or if they're being antagonistic, I guess. Marking their territory. Like like in a war or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or like in the war, like they killed somebody, mm-hmm. you know, so like that whole thing. But sometimes they like put their little war club in the direction of like their town, be like, come get me, <laughs> like with their markings and stuff. I'm like, that's pretty rugged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then like, I don't know if it's other Choctaw or if it's just Choctaws or if it was other people too, but they get specifically the warriors because, you know, that's who they wrote about the most, but their family designs on their stomach. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think you're totally right about it being kind of like a written language. It's just, you know, we didn't necessarily express ourselves in an alphabet per se, like, you know, folks from Europe did, but we definitely did have these things to identify ourselves and identify our families and our clans and mm-hmm. stuff. Because that's what's, that's what's important For, to us is kinship. Yeah. What have been y'all's experiences having tattoos, especially ones that are like more culturally based tattoos? I personally, um, luckily, mine's on the inside of my wrist, so no one can see it and no one can ask me about it. But if you, even if you just have like regular tattoos, people will constantly ask you about it, touch you, that sort of thing. So there's already like a level of um, like no boundaries there for a lot of people. 
So I think if you even just add the cultural element of it where a lot of people might not be so understanding or be like, what's what's the point or whatever, I think you just have to be pre- prepared for that. But luckily, I haven't experienced anything like that yet. So I do have some pretty visible markings um, on my face and my neck. And of course, the biggest question I get is, did that hurt? <laughs> and I uh, have to explain like I don't know sometimes I go into it but sometimes I don't that I'm autistic and I experience pain differently than other people it's something that I can kind of tune out and not really like focus on and so for me it 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 didn't hurt but you know for other people that it probably would (laughs) and then the next I get is you know Um, What does that mean? And for me, uh, the reason I decided to get my chin stripe is because I became a mother and I got my associate's degree from the College of Muskogee Nation within the same year. And that just kind of, I wanted to do something to signify those things that that were really important to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You're like one awesome. of the few people I know right now that have like facial tattoos that are Muskogee. It looks awesome. Thank you. I mean, like they're Southeastern in general, but yeah, it looks awesome. No. Does look great. And then the knot. And you're saying? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, um, the knot is. I don't know if it's considered like a traditional tattoo. Um, for me, it was just like I wanted to have something very visible that, you know, displayed my culture and displayed my identity. And also, um, whenever I did get it, I just felt like it's always been hard for me to speak up and use my voice. And then after getting it, I felt a lot more confident in using my voice and being able to just express myself. Have y'all noticed with your tattoos or or even your piercings, I know like you got piercings on you. How is that? How do I wear this? <laughs> Sorry. What's been y'all's experience, I guess, like in your in your community, especially like with you as a mother, Brit? And I know you're auntie Anja. You know, I mean, like, so like my family, a lot of my family like lives in Florida right now. So it's definitely like not something that everyone's like really, like my grandparents are are like good with it and everything but i do know like if i go out in public i get stares and stuff and it's it's whatever i mean one time my cousin was like well what do you expect (laughs) and i was like yeah you know what and this is when i had more piercings and i was like yeah you know that that is true um a lot of people like don't see it especially like in the area that they live luckily i live in seattle so it's totally fine and everything I get a lot of, when I go to powwows and stuff, I get like a lot of questions about it. I think it's kind of interesting because there are different tribes that did practice lip stretching or like ear stretching. Even there's like the, the clay pots of the Southeastern clay pots that have like different holes in their ear. And that's kind of, I get, you can interpret that in different ways, I guess. I really like it. I think it, it, I always think of this um, southeastern clay pot or the clay effigy pots. I always think of that. But yeah, I, I know that when I go places, people might look and everything. But I've also like, I guess my perspective is a little bit different too, because I was working within like the body piercing and tattooing industry for a little bit. And I have a, a lot of friends that are within that. But yeah, not very exciting, I guess. <laughs> I guess my experience in the community has been kind of Mostly, mostly positive. I was at um, Indigenous Peoples Day in Oak Mulgee, and I had done been part of their stomp dance that was going on uh, just out in the the middle of downtown in the street. And then afterwards, the MC came up to me and he's like, "Are you Northern tribe?" And I was like, "No, I'm Muscogee." And he's like, "Well, I didn't, um, I don't really see that that marking on many people here." And I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to bring it back as something that's important to me. And I've had a couple of people at the grounds ask, you know, why, why'd you get that? Or who did that? Or, you know, th- just things like that, which is fine. You know, people want to 
ask questions. And I feel pretty confident in myself and my reason. And I don't mind explaining, you know, why I made that decision. It's funny too, because like a lot of people don't know, like they think that I'm really young and they think that I don't like know what I'm doing or something. And it's hard to like explain to them, like, I'm not that young. (laughs) I'm not a kid. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably been like the biggest thing is people just like assume that I'm like super young and I don't know. It's weird. And then I'd say outside of that, people around my age and younger people, especially like fems and two-spirit people, they're like really excited. They get really excited to see me and they just give me a ton of compliments and and talk about how that's something that they want to do as well. Yeah. I think um, replying to both of y'all, I think it'll be interesting to see as the tattoo revitalization goes on, where the piercing revitalization happens. So I know really early on before we even started this project, actually, there's one Choctaw person up in Northern California, I think, who also worked in like, the piercing industry that was like, well, what about our piercing? What are those? And I was really hoping, actually, that she, her name's also Brittany. <laughs> Love our generation. Right. <laughs> her old name, Brittany. <laughs> um, yeah, I was hoping that she would go ahead and also start looking into it because I think that'd be pretty cool. And I remember like, Dustin... As you know, he goes and paints a bunch of folks. When he painted me, he put those those holes in there too. And he told me that he found out that uh, he used to put feathers in them, which I think is pretty cool. Because I really thought they were just going to be, you know, especially look at the pots that they're just holes for hole sakes or whatever, or maybe just put decoration in there. But yeah, that's kind of cool. There's feathers. I wonder if anyone will bring that back <laughs> eventually. What was the last thing you said, Britt? I'm so it's sorry. Okay. I totally forgot. I was just talking about how... Um, like Femme and Two-Spirit, younger people are really excited when they see me and talk about how that that's something that they want to do for themselves. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Thank you. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting in, in uh, Isabella's um, interview that her and Lindsay were talking about, like, why do you think it is that our generation is more interested in, like, tattoos in general, more accepting of them? And I actually found this in my research, <laughs> but it was because of like all those shows. You remember like in the early nineties or like mid nineties where they had all of those, like, like LA Inc and like Kat Von D and all that kind of stuff. I guess that was actually what helped to normalize it. And so, and I don't know, like, I don't know about y'all, but I was definitely like a scene kid and like hardcore and metal and like math core, and <laughs> all the cores, <laughs> emo. Um, and I think by then it was definitely normalized enough because I know like I wanted to get tattoos and like all kinds of piercings and stuff being in that scene, but also because of, I guess like inadvertently because of the shows, but I think it is kind of an interesting progression that because it was normalized in the mainstream, um, and enough for, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely got the talk from my parents being like, you'll never get a job and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, all right, whatever. And I still went and got it. And actually it used to have like my lip pierced too back in the day. But yeah, I think it's interesting that that's progressed being like, okay, now it's like, okay to bring back the traditional tattoos and that it's kind of spread since then across like North America and other places too. But yeah, I'm really glad that we're finally getting ours back. And it's, I don't know, I was really excited to see you. So I was like, yes, someone that actually has traditional tattoos, especially the facial ones. Cause I don't know, I got my hand tattoos, but I feel like no one ever notices those. And I honestly forgot during COVID that I had them until I had to do a cooking demo and I had to have like my phone above my cutting board, you know, cause you know, it was COVID. So everything's <laughs> like zoom class. And I was like, Oh shoot, I have tattoos. Oh shoot. People are going to see my tattoos. And then no one ever said anything. I think I've only gotten like a couple of very awkward questions. Um, like one in front of my dad being like, are those, are you, did you get uh, your finger tattoos to match the ribbons on your skirt? And I was like, no. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm really glad too, that it seems like, I don't know, obviously I had the same response as those people that saw you <laughs> like really excited. So I'm glad that our generation is getting excited about traditional tattoos and 
yeah, hopefully more people will get them. Yes. And I would love to see like this shift when looking at American history and, you know, there's these, all these different tattoo styles and there's, you know, what's called like American traditional. And I'd like to see some representation for indigenous designs and without it being co-opted because that's kind of our like big fear is that those things are going to be appropriated and misused and people getting them who don't really know what the cultural significance is so it's like kind of how do we get that recognition without going in that direction of appropriation yeah I try and stay off TikTok because I got ADHD. So I'm like, I will be on there all day. It's already bad enough with like Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> and it wasn't an issue with Facebook before, but for some reason, Texas, more people are into Facebook. <sighs> so I have to be on there more. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like how like Tumblr, like Facebook and then be in like the place where Tumblr goes mm-hmm. to die. Like I feel like now that's all the rest of the social media with TikTok. So it's finally filtered down to me to see those videos where it's like those, uh, those folks that like to dress up as Vikings, but are like now co-opting the styles of like facial tattoos mm-hmm. of native people. And then like, especially the Alaska native people calling them out and be like, yo, those aren't, those were never used in Viking times. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Like, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, but that one that was really funny. Like, yo, you really want to bring something back? It's like, you know what the Viking women used to do? They used to file the teeth. Why don't you go do that? <laughs> Wants to step up and be brave and bring that back. <laughs> <For> real. <laughs> actually commit to something that is recorded that they did and not just paint your face up right <laughs> uh just with like social media and stuff um well and appropriation as well um like i've seen people from like that are like native get totally like other tribes like or other cultures like um tattoos especially with like the face i don't understand it at all but i think it's important that you don't appropriate um but also like you sometimes have to be careful with what you put on social media um because it's you know pretty much available to everyone and you know ceremony shouldn't be on social media and stuff um but also i've seen people um just like straight copying people's artwork um or specific like i don't know like clan designs and things and then just just copying it onto themselves and i think it's important that we don't do that i just don't think it's a very good thing to do to other people in your community and to like other communities yeah it it contributes to that pan-indigenous narrative that you know because one nation did something that we all did it or that we all have um, a right to it where it's really not that, you know, we may have all been on the same continent, but that doesn't mean that because one nation did something that one yours did it and two, that you have access to it. And I think like for like Southeastern people, like I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's like the weird dichotomy of like, we all before we were like all our tribes um, and like confederacies and stuff like came from the mound building and there's like such a rich amount of designs already from that time like even just like you were talking about Angela, like those clay pots one i'll be uh very interested to see whenever somebody gets brave enough to start doing some of those designs that are on the pottery because even for me with with trying to draw them i'm like oh my gosh how do i represent someone and make them look like you know because it's just such a it's such like a different beauty standard to like ours today right where like obviously that was something that was very looked highly upon since they put it into the into the pots and stuff and like send it off them like their funerary things but yeah it's it's even hard for me to figure out how to put that on a person and make it look good which i know is a it's a my modern uh time colonized brain i guess (laughs) thing but i will say when hadokachi put that like i think it might have been photoshop or i don't know what it was like he's someone that would be like in the hardcore scene you know and like in that scene i feel like it'd be like really accepted because i feel like people got like wild ass tattoos Mm -hmm. and so it was totally fine i don't know i don't know about y'all but i feel like even though i'm older now and i don't look seen i feel like i still like have that like i don't know like internal vibe about me Yeah, so I feel like we would still be like, "Oh yeah, you're you're fine. You're like 35 now, dude. You're fine. <laughs> Your facial tattoos." But I couldn't imagine at this moment, I don't know, like someone on like Tushkahoma, like a men's team or something like that, like rocking those tattoos. 
<laughs> but it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder like when folks will get brave and do those. Cool. I definitely think obviously the the women are leading the way in, in that. And I think it is kind of interesting that most of the tattoo revitalization has been mainly on women and, you know, just kind of being brave enough and not, you know, worrying about what people think or how they're going to be perceived. And that kind of in in and of itself is really brave because it's hard to be perceived as a woman, you know, you get all of these um, judgments and sexualization and objectification on you at such a young age. And then to bring on something that is so visible and different, it can be a really big challenge and it can be scary. Have having y'all's tattoos or piercings helped you? Like, I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, Brett, but like, has it had like any major changes to the way that you perceive yourself? Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm becoming more of who I've always wanted to be. I did for a long time have a lot of facial piercings as well. And I didn't like um, just the interactions that I got from men with that, asking, you know, all kinds of questions. I couldn't even go to, you know, the gas station without somebody commenting. And I just got really tired of that. So I took them all out. But then I put the tattoo on and I just felt like it's had a different, just been a different experience between the tattoo and the piercings. I would like to see piercings become viewed in the same way that tattoos have as sort of something that is sacred and is, what do I want to say? that is sacred and culturally significant to us even though like mine isn't very visible i think like i i would like to get um more more visible muskogee tattoos and like eventually i would like facial tattoos and i think like i think i would feel um i would feel i guess this is kind of corny sounding but i think i would feel very beautiful um in the way that that is um kind of like you know different standards of beauty around the world and everything. And I think that, you know, decolonizing what we think is like beautiful or like right, or even just like the way Mm -hmm. that Christianity presents itself in our culture sometimes. Um, I think I would feel more beautiful. Um, I think that it would be a burden that I'm willing to take on because it's cultural signifier that you can't take off. Like you can wear regalia and stuff that um, denotes that you are, Muskogee or Choctaw, you can take that off at the end of the day and people might not know where you can come from. But when you proudly show who you come from and say, I am Muskogee, um, you're always going to be, or you could always be a, um, you know, like a role model or whatever within your community. But yeah, you, you once you have that, it's on you forever. And then you'll always have to have to remember that I'm, res- um, you know, I'm representing my people, representing Muskogee culture as a whole. But I think it would be a good burden yeah, to take definitely. on. Definitely, it's funny if, like, I've, I've talked to like my friends about it before, especially like my Choctaw friends. Where I feel like in the Western standard, like I don't feel very feminine <laughs> at all, and that like it doesn't necessarily fit me. And so there's definitely been points in my life where like I don't even feel like identifying as like. A woman or anything like that but it was definitely through a more traditional understanding of like what it means to be like a native woman and like a Choctaw woman and I'm like yeah this fits like way better um and so I wonder how I don't know like I said I do have like hand tattoos but I definitely feel like it, it I think it was like less impactful than I thought it would be or maybe I just got used to it I don't know <laughs> I mean it definitely still reminds me of like I've got work <laughs> to do both in cooking and other work and like other things too and I commitment to um, the revitalization movement, but I don't know. It just feels normal now. I never would have thought growing up that like, oh, I have my hands tattooed, that that would feel normal. <laughs> the way people have talked about like that's facial cool, tattoos though. and hand tattoos, Good. you know, um, maybe that's why people get them first, but oftentimes, but um, yeah, I wonder how like getting facial tattoos or like more traditional tattoos would help me feel like more settled and like that more, I guess, kind of like culturally based or like traditional 
standards of femininity. I think that's... I don't know, being a a hoyo. (laughs) That's definitely something that (laughs) I struggle with. Um, I do identify as non-binary, and it is kind of different going into the ceremonial grounds where there is very strict gender roles. And I struggle with that, with wanting to take on or be a part of male gender roles and not being allowed. But I mean, not even feeling like I could ask that, not even feeling like that's something that would ever be available to me unless I decided to transition to male, which is, you know, not something I want to do. And I guess it was something that I considered with getting a more um, female-based facial tattoo was, you know, is this something that's right for me? But I guess I see myself more as um, what they kind of refer to as a life bringer. So I am... I did bring life into this world and I am capable of bringing life. And so that was something that resonated with me more than quote unquote female. Yeah, for sure. Same. Yeah. Like all the work that I do. And then I don't know. And then I think it's interesting too, because sometimes I question some of the teachings. Cause like sometimes, you know, it's like legitimate teachings. Sometimes it's based in like, colonialization because we just can't help it it's just what happened um and sometimes those are like trauma responses or coping mechanisms but i I always find it interesting that that at least like choctaws and sometimes like other tribes talk about people with wombs as like the life bringers which is like totally yeah it's definitely part of it too but then i think it's interesting right that's like even if you're like you're cooking right like you have to use I mean, there's like no good way to say it, but you know, dead things, Mm -hmm. like you use dead things to help continue and like bring nutrients to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so you're not just dealing with, with life, you know, you're dealing with like both sides of that. And like, Kelly, how were you talking about earlier with your tattoo and the the knot? And then even to like um, my Hong Kong mom, she talks about how even in birth, like um, her teachings are that you travel over to like the other side of the spirit world and you grab that soul of a child um or a spirit and they put it in the body of a child and then like birth that um and so i don't know it's like it's always interesting where i feel like they try and make like a binary of it but it's like you you have to to use both of those sides uh yeah it's not strictly one or the other yeah and i think that has been left out in the teachings and where we're at today where you know we still have um, discussions on the Muskogee forums where, you know, women are not allowed to touch feathers because that's a signifier of death. And we can't, we can't have that. We can't have women, you know, doing anything that's related to death. But like you said, you know, we, we cook with animal parts and, you know, I've heard the same thing that the, that the mother travels to the spirit world to bring the spirit back. And, I think it's going to be interesting to see where things go in the future with our understanding of gender within the Southeastern nations and what we want those things to mean to us. Because I think we get stuck in how things were at a certain point and we don't feel comfortable moving past that, even though that's something that we've always done, we've always adapted, we've always changed, we've always um, done what felt right to us without, without just being stuck in a single mindset. I agree. I've, I've experienced that sometimes that someone will, will teach you something and then, um, there's just a little bit in the back of your mind that you're like, is this right? Um, is this the way it was? I've like seen it like being like, Oh, Skogie women were never Mm -hmm. in like positions of power and stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't think, I also don't think that there's ever really like a never, I think that things are more fluid than 
people want to think that they are or even that people think that what we do now is Mm -hmm. like exactly what Mm -hmm. exactly 100% like the old ways and it's like it's not entirely true I think we lost Brig (laughs) yeah I get into a lot of um, (laughs) heated debates with people online I've tried to step back from that because it's it's draining but it's like trying to explain to people saying like what we do at the grounds now is what we've always done and I'm just like whenever we went through removal, we lost so many elders. Like there was a specific like age group that survived the trail of tears. And it was people in their like mid twenties to like forties. And that was it. Like children barely survived and no elders survived. And it's like, you can't tell me that we didn't lose a ton of information during that time. There's just no way that, you know, we can say for a hundred percent fact that everything that we're doing at the grounds now is exactly as we've always done it. I mean, we wear blue jeans at the grounds now. We didn't wear blue jeans, you know, 200 years ago. So <laughs> don't give me that. <laughs> a real tradition. <laughs> My computer crashed again. I know. <laughs> I know. That's like, I was like, man, it's like on a roll. <laughs> I wanted to hear you had to say it. I was like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Is there like any last things from the interview that kind of like stood out to you or any last thoughts that um, like stuff that we talked about that you wanted to talk about? I think generally, um, I think uh, I I just think we need to be like nicer. Uh, I mean, obviously like people, we need to protect our culture and everything, but when there's people that are trying to do it in a good way and trying to be respectful about it, um, I think we should, again, like, you know, some conversations, you should just pull people aside privately and talk to them about it so that they can actually learn from it um, rather than just like bashing them on social media, which is, you know, something that happens um, in these like Facebook groups and stuff. But um I think we're all always learning. I don't think everyone's, I don't think you get to a specific age and you stop learning. So um, this process, you know, there's just everyone kind of needs to help everyone out um, and teach people what you know, and then learn from other people um, because, you know, we're all kind of in different places in our life and it would be positive overall for the community to share that, um, and um uplift our youth um yeah i think that i would just say that these are very personal journeys for people to decide to take on um these tattoos and markings and like anja said you know we can do our best to guide people without shaming them and without chastising them and that's something that we should take into consideration is that, you know, we're making these decisions for ourselves and our future generations, really, because this is something that our descendants are going to be able to look back on and say, oh, you know, my great-great-grandmother had facial markings or piercings, and that's you know, something that's important and something that we want to continue on and not just get um, mad at people for making those decisions for themselves and trying to correct people um, because you wouldn't correct your ancestors on the decisions that they made about their markings. I think what Lisa said last, or not two episodes ago about like, we are the new ancestors or we are the future ancestors. Um, I thought that really stuck with me for like the past few episodes. Yeah, for sure. And I know even like listening to the interview, like I kind of caught myself um, like when uh, Isabel was like, well, you know, when I like, I, I read that, you know, these were sometimes just like embellishments and I had to like, and in my mind I was like, I don't know about that, but um, you know, trying to remember too that it's not as if we have like 
tomes and like libraries full of information about the tattoos. It's just like little scraps here and there. And by like people who recorded it by and large that either didn't understand us or didn't want to understand us or couldn't understand us. And just kind of like wrote down, um, you know, sometimes the best of their abilities, sometimes not. And so the scraps that we have, like we have to take them with a grain of salt. And so like, who am I to say that what blue had to share was like totally inaccurate? You know, that could be right. I don't know. I just like from the conversations and research I done, that's just like not what's come up. But I think that's also why it's really important to be open, especially when revitalizing something, because this is at this point, like, yeah, it's something old, but it's new for us, you know, and we're just trying to like put these little squares back together to like make this quilt <laughs> of <Right>. information and <laughs> have conversations to expand it and figure out like, what does it mean for us today as we move forward? And like you're saying, like, what will it mean for our descendants from the decisions that we make today about it and ideas that we have about it? And that, um, you know, it's a constantly changing thing. Um, like I know, like I've definitely had like changes of opinions and stuff since the beginning of this. And so, yeah, I think we all just need to be like really try and be more open than we otherwise would be and not be like, this is concrete when really it's, it's a little bit muddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <For sure>. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, traditions are something that can be started. You know, you can start traditions now and have them carry on for future generations. I don't think it's always we should just be looking to the past for traditions. I think that it's really important that our generation starts making um, traditions of their own that they can pass on. Yeah, for sure. And I still think about the last episode too, like thinking about how your mom, I'm like, oh, you like your child gets to grow up, like seeing you with traditional tattoos and that's freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> like they don't know any different. <laughs> that's their normal. And so, um, I mean, not that I want it to happen anytime soon, but I'll be really curious in years down the line um, with just like having you, you know, in their life, like how comfortable that they'll be with uh you know, getting traditional tattoos. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just normal. Go, 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 get mine. <laughs> she asked me to draw tattoos on her all the time. <laughs> oh, cute. That's so cute. <laughs> That's great. She wants kitty gorgeous. cats, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like get panthers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Well, thank y'all. Um, yeah, I was really excited to have y'all join it. And also, I hope I can come up to Tulsa and hang out <laughs> in person yeah, again definitely. sometime. Yeah, yeah let me know up. when you're going to be up here and yeah, we'll get Carrie involved too. Heck yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay to Anja and Britt and everyone for joining us. Before we go, is there anything that's coming up in the near future for y'all that you'd want to share about or anything you're working on? Um, my beadwork page is at Mado.threads on Instagram, although I'm not very active at the moment as I complete my Muscogee language uh, certificate. I am currently working on a beadwork piece for the CNFA Indian market. Um, I was invited to go out there. I'm super excited. It's my first time going out to Santa Fe. So I'm really, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, I can share with you that I am doing a fully beaded piece of the Muscogee Nation. It's going to be about, um, a foot by a foot. So 12 inches by 12 inches. Yeah. It's, wow. uh, about 30,000 beads. So <laughs> it's, <Wow. laughs> it's intense, but I'm really excited <laughs> to, um, to bring that out there. And, um, something that I learned recently was that, um, my great, great grandfather that I get the post note name from, he actually mapped, the Muscogee boundaries back in the day, like he was the one to go and to map out 
that. And I found that out after I started doing this um, Muskogee Boundary map. So that was really, really cool to find out. That's awesome. And also congratulations. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah. I was really, I really hope to make it out there to any market one day. (laughs) And hopefully you'll be out there so I can see your table. Yes. That's exciting. I don't know if I've seen very like many Muskogee people. Um, I, I've seen some like Cherokee um, artisans. Yeah, out there, we're bringing really we're bringing like it's very um, exciting. I think five Muskogee artists with us out there as kind of like a group showing. So yeah, we're all we're all really excited. Oh, that's super awesome! Is that the sovereignty or sovereign show? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I'm well, excited to see the pictures since I won't. Get to <laughs> Post lots of pictures. Yes, and uh, if anyone wants to check it out, it's Keepers of the Land um, on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Remember to check out our link tree located in our social media bios to check out additional resources related to topics we've discussed in this episode and all past episodes. To get further exclusive content, a look behind the scenes, early access to merch. Patreon exclusive merch, access to mini sods, access to our Inchunwa Patreon. Uh, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Inchunwa. And thanks for joining us. Chi Anupalachike. Hello.